0: Welcome everyone. Live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Emma and my co-hosts today are Grace, Olivia and Kayla. Our special guest today is J- Jemima Welch. Hi Jemima, welcome to the show. Thanks Emma, thanks everybody. No Great problem. to be here. Jemima, you work for Mercy Global Action. What does this organisation focus on?
1: Mm. So Mercy Global Action is the uh, global justice arm of Mercy International Association. So Mercy Global Action sits at the UN in New York and basically its focus is around advocacy on issues that affect both grassroots and institutional and wider communities um, of mercy. So they have two focus areas, one being degradation of the earth and the other being displacement of people. And they tend to advocate and write and speak on those issues quite prolifically um, and drawing on the expertise of
0: Mercy World as a whole. Who and what inspired you to work for this organisation?
1: <laughs> well, I didn't know it existed until a few oh, years wow. ago. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was it was a happy discovery for me. Um, I... Got One day I opened my email and I had an email from two of my sisters-in-law. Two of them had independently sent me the same (laughs) invitation and it was to apply for a um, global women's leadership program run by Mercy Global Action. And they were just starting this program, it was brand new, and the idea was they'd take 10 women from across the world and you would learn leadership, modern leadership in a mercy sense. And it's a year-long program. You have three international immersions and there's a research project and mentoring and a whole lot of other things that go with that. And I applied for the program and was fortunate enough to get through. So I joined nine other women from around the world on this amazing year-long experience. And I got to the end of that year and I thought, Ah, oh, this is this is what I want to do. This, these are my people, and this is this is such an amazing organization. Uh, you know, it combined my love for policy and international relations, um, but it also had a very distinct um, spiritual and um, justice undertone to it that was very distinctly mercy, yeah. and I loved yeah. that. So, I guess I was inspired by all the people who ran that program and and now one of the main one is now my boss. (laughs) Were you shocked
0: to get in to be chosen? Yeah
1: absolutely yeah it (laughs) was a huge surprise at the time to be honest Emma it was um I didn't know if I wanted to do it originally because I had a lot of frustrations with the Catholic church. I had gone to church weekly with my family growing up and when I left school I really sort of walked away from the church and thought no I you know I have a lot of issues um with the church I can't go back and I thought when I got the invitation my email I thought oh this is this is probably quite religious I don't know if it's for me
0: yeah.
1: um but when I went in for the interview the sister of mercy who's interviewing me said no how do you you know uh, do you have any questions or any concerns and I said yeah i You know, I'm to be honest, I don't really feel very Catholic anymore. And she said, Oh, phew, (laughs) neither do we. (laughs) So um, that reassured me that actually there is something pretty universal about mercy that doesn't depend on religion at all.
0: Mm. Yeah. And how did you become involved in this? And do you have a background in mercy? Not per se, Mm.
1: uh, Olivia. I I went to university and studied. international relations as my Mm. undergraduate degree and then I did a master's after I I worked for a while a couple of years for an indigenous organization actually and then after a bit of travel um, I went and did a master's of philosophy and public policy in London and I loved that I loved the the look at public policy but the very um, analytical and philosophical outlook on that and um, but I always knew that I wanted to work for something that had a lot of purpose to it. And I, I worked in the impact investing space for quite a while and then I was
0: looking for something different and different came along in this disguise. You mentioned about going to London. Have you ever traveled anywhere else? Have you ever wanted to travel anywhere else?
1: Always, since I was little, I always wanted to go everywhere. Um, I, yeah, so I've, I've spent a fair bit of time overseas. We lived for my, my part, my now husband, but back then he was my partner. We, um, lived in London for a few years and, uh, we also spent just a fair bit of time traveling around Europe and, um, the Northern parts of Africa. So, um, yeah, lots of different places. I've been very fortunate to go to Ethiopia Um, and Morocco, um, uh, Mo, uh, quite a bit of Western Europe and yeah. a little bit of Eastern Europe and um, and then more recently America for work. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it definitely gives you a new perspective on life yeah. if you're able to travel.
0: Um, so have there been women who have inspired you to take the path you've taken in life? Question, Grace.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I guess first and foremost, my my mum. So she was a single parent and a full-time doctor and she had six children and she uh, raised us um, with a lot of strength and conviction, um, but it was very difficult for her. Uh, But she was adamant that we would all go to mercy schools. Uh, She believed very strongly in the mercy charism and wanted us to have the best education that we could. And she often says to me, she's like, there is no inheritance. Your inheritance was your education. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, it really was the biggest gift she could have given us. Um, and she inspired me to, I guess, in my career and even when things are difficult, to always think of others and to prioritize the, I guess, the, the things that really matter in life being other people and um, how we are together as a community. Um, and then I guess more recently I, was, I had uh, my first boss, um, a lady called Lisa Siganto, who is the mum of someone I went to school with. Uh, she's very heavily involved in Mercy around Australia. She's um, sort of a, been very um, active in the business and philanthropic spaces yeah. and she took me on. And gave me a job and taught me a lot of things about impact investing and social entrepreneurship and for purpose business. But just seeing her navigate a very male dominated environment, um, but do it with such grace and humility, but strength, I think she showed me that it was possible not just to lead, not necessarily just to lean into traditional male roles, but to kind of subvert them, to do them differently. Um, to really draw on your own strengths and and um, your conviction in, I guess, the value of each person to do your work well.
0: Yeah. What challenges have you faced along the way?
1: Plenty <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> um, challenges. I think I think many women can attest to working in places where um, their views are. are are not taken as seriously as their male counterparts. I've certainly faced a bit of that and had to advocate advocate for myself quite strongly in some cases. And that's taken time and practice because it's not easy to do. And, and particularly when you come out of university, you're faced with a lot of, well, I was faced with a lot of self-doubt. Um, and I've spoken to quite a few of my women friends and, and they can relate to that as well. So I guess that's been a challenge for me to move beyond that need to always please all the time or to um, have external validation and instead to just have this quiet conviction that actually, you know, what I'm bringing to the table is worthwhile even if I still have a lot to learn. I guess, um, yeah, more recently a big challenge for me has been balancing parenthood with work. You know, I... um, when I when I had my baby two years ago I was I really felt the loss of my work and my career and I realized that I had always based my um, the way I looked at myself on on my productivity and where I was with work and suddenly that wasn't there anymore and I was feeling very bereft and I I had postnatal depression so that certainly didn't help Um, but I realized that you know sometimes you do need help and sometimes and there's no shame in that and actually the importance of a supportive community and partner as well whoever you pick as your partner in life is pretty damn important um and that you know you come to i think in going through experiences like that you come to have a new appreciation for strengths that you didn't know existed in you and i i certainly have a lot of, um, a lot more perspective now than I did then. And I've slowed down a lot uh, in a good way. Uh, It also probably has something to do with the fact that my two-year-old daughter is extremely willful. Um, (laughs) uh, So my mum says it's karma. It's definitely making me more humble.
0: (laughs) Would you say the challenges that you face are more towards because of being a woman and if so, what improvements do you think that need to be made? It's a great question, Emma.
1: Um, yes, I look, I do. I've always been surrounded by very positive, strong, capable women. And yeah. I've always had that modeled to me. And I've been very fortunate to have really wonderful male role models in my life, um, where, you know, almost to the point where, um, well, I, I look at, you know, my husband, for example, and he, you know um the work that he does and and how we balance our roles he takes on more of the traditionally um i guess feminine role in the house like he is he's often the primary carer for our child so there are still barriers that exist um but i you know i i've seen so many good examples of where it's been where that's been flipped um but in saying that, I think there's a long way to go in um, very male-dominated workplaces and fields. Um, the investment space, for example, in Australia is is heavily male-dominated, and it's very difficult, I think, to be taken completely seriously as a woman in that space. Um, let alone if you're a, um, unfortunately, if you're a, you know, a, a woman of colour or or you're someone living with disabilities, it's even more difficult for you, and that needs to change and i also think there's this whole new conversation that needs to happen around to be honest motherhood and parenthood yeah. and how we balance that in a modern setting you know it's it's we you know parenthood is such a gift but i think we almost either see it as an entitlement or we see it as a burden yeah it it can be both of those things <laughs> legitimately but i think it's it very much is a gift and it's about how we balance that with work and um and see them all as part of our identity
0: yeah if you are just tuning in you're listening to be like her live on academy live here at the academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne Australia my name's Emma and my co-hosts today are Grace, Olivia and Kayla and our special guest is Jemima Welch now correct me if I'm wrong, you have just recently joined this organization. Mm,
1: that's correct. I joined in July or June last year. Yeah. What have you done so far in the workplace? Mm, ask my boss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I we've um my boss has been incredibly trusting, and uh, named Angela Reed. She's a sister of Mercy and she heads up Mercy at the UN. Um she has when I first started the day I started, she she gave me my email address and then said good luck. And that was it. (laughs) That's all the direction I had. Um, but I work with an amazing colleague called Colleen Swain, who lives in the States in New Jersey. And she and I have been responsible for coming up with our own work plan, really. Um, we have our overall agenda and basically that is to promote and secure the long-term sustainability of, um, um, the Mercy Global Action Emerging Leaders Fellowship, which is that global women's leadership program I told you about a little while ago. So uh, part of that is fundraising, but also part of it is looking at this concept of modern Mercy women's leadership and what does it mean for the future. Um, and that's drawing on, you know, part of our work is collecting stories and um, test, you know, testimonials and experiences um, from Mercy women around the world, and then. Um, putting that in such a way that it can be digested by lots of different communities around the world and, and those values really taken on and, and hopefully um, uh, replicated in different settings, modern settings. Um, so part of my role to date has been um, creating an impact report around um, the program. It's been we've, we're in the process now of writing a position paper on Mercy Women's Leadership. And we do a lot of work at the UN as well, so around different advocacy on different subjects, and next year we have the Commission on the Status of Women looking at financing for development. So with my Impact Investing hat on, um, (laughs) I will um, be having quite a bit to do with that.
0: Yeah. Hmm. This is a little bit of a similar question, but what activities does this organisation become involved in?
1: Well, um, a lot, (laughs) but we are a small team. So there's only five of us women, and three are based in the states, and I work in Brisbane, and I have a colleague who works in the Philippines. So we're a, a small but remote team, and we 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 do punch above our weight. Like we, um, so my colleague Cecily is the global um, policy and advocacy. Uh, Associate and she leads a lot of our direct lobbying to the UN and and speaks at a lot of UN commissions and events. Um, We write a lot of um, different publications. So on Mercy Day this year, 24th of September, we've got the release of our um, Mercy Global Action um, Justice Advocacy Guide and that will be hopefully a very useful resource for Mercy schools, Mercy organisations and workplaces, communities around the world who want to do advocacy at a grassroots level as well as at an institutional level or at a global level. So um, we do lots of things like that. We also do a lot of communication about what's happening at the UN to Mercy World as a whole. And then, of course, there's the Mercy Global Action Emerging Leaders Fellowship, so Global Women's Leadership Programme
0: yeah and um, what needs is your organization addressing?
1: What needs?
0: <clears throat> this is a
1: very good question. I think there is a big need i I mean, you could ask me from a from a work point of view or could you could ask me personally. I think mm. personally, the big need that m g a is helping to address is how do we keep this, how do we nurture this charism, this mercy charism into the future? You know, um, it's well known now, our sisters who have this incredible legacy, uh, you know, experiences of such um, extraordinary selflessness and service to communities around the world. But the sisters themselves are getting older and there, you know, there will come a point where we don't have sisters of mercy in the same way, working for these things. So what what happens then? Who takes their place? What do we do to keep the charism going? Mm. And, you know, part of that is looking at this question of formation. So how are we forming people in mercy? How are we getting them to think about mercy and apply mercy to their own schools or workplaces? Um, But it's also about how do we keep those stories going because – some of them are just incredible. Uh, you know, you know we, I, I've worked with sisters who um, you know one sister in Cambodia, Denise Colan, who led the international campaign to ban landmines, and she won the Nobel Peace Prize for it. Oh, wow. But that story doesn't get told very often. There's another sister um, in the States, uh, Karen Schneider, who's assistant professor of Pediatrics at John Hopkins, so one of the best best hospitals in the world and she leads medical trips to um haiti and you know some of the most um, destabilized or difficult or um uh, complex places in the world and she leads medical trips with um um, other uh, doctors and medical students and she, she does it in the face of an earthquake or political unrest or whatever's going on. She'll be there and it's incredibly selfless. So how do we keep those stories? I mean not everybody can win the Nobel Peace Prize or you know, go to Haiti at the drop of a hat but what do we take from those stories um, that is applicable to our everyday lives? Mm. And I think that's a big question that Mercy Global Action is currently looking at.
0: You say that a lot of these stories go unnoticed, like a lot of people don't hear about them. How do you think we can get people to hear about them and maybe even join the Mercy community themselves?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that's part of my role. So yep. um, it's uh, that's something that I'll be looking at over the next um, year, particularly of telling some of those stories, whether it's through the position paper or we're actually um, looking at um, different podcasts and other ways of communicating with the community uh, to tell those stories and invite the women to to share. Uh, I think how do people become involved? Well, again, that's in development, but I think there are lots of different ways. So currently I know here in uh, Melbourne they have Young Mercy links. So when you leave school often, um, you know, there is a – you sort of think, well, what's next? Where's the mercy pathway? Uh, And Young Mercy Links seems to be it. So that gives you the opportunity to be part of a group of young women who um, do great things in the community with a distinct mercy lens. You can also – there's, you know, mercy – like I think there's Mercy Hub here in Melbourne and you can go and talk to the people who work at Mercy Hub. You can keep up to date with um, Mercy Global Action Instagram and Facebook and the publications that come out all the time and there's often calls for people to be part of task forces that um, relate directly to work being done at the UN uh, or they're releasing publications where subject matter expertise is needed. So there are lots of different ways but it also does come down, I think, to community... Um, initiative and proactivity
0: in that space yeah um so how does your work in the mercy organization build better communities
1: build better communities (laughs) it's a big question i think that mercy as a verb you know when we do mercy we we meet people as they truly are we meet them without the labels that are often prescribed to people based on their political leanings or their um, ethnicities or even their physical capabilities or even their gender, I think mercy um, requires us to meet people just as they are, you know, that innate sacredness that we have within each of us, uh, you know, when we can tap into that and uh, really listen and talk and meet with people in that, uh, you know that in that form of connection, then we're able to um, make significant headway on some really tough um, challenges and um, problems that society has. It's easier said than done. Yeah, but I think the values really remind us to just come back to that as frequently as we can. I think if we it, it's a it's a habit. It's a practice and I think the more we come back to that, the better our communities will be. Yeah.
0: Um, What challenges do you face in your line of work? Challenges in my line of work?
1: Uh, Not enough resourcing to do what we want to do when we want to do it. (laughs) Mm. Uh, It's just there's only five of us and there is so much opportunity out there and, and lots of people are calling for what we're working on. But there's only so much we can do and, um, you know, I think that there is a need for resources but also just a need for more, more time. Um, I, I think there's also the challenge of how do you, you know, a lot of people have very legitimate criticisms about the United Nations. So how do we um, make sure that our work in that sphere is, is constructive and reflects really well the intentions of Mercy World as a whole. It's a big challenge for us. Um, it's a big responsibility as well.
0: Do you hope that this organisation grows bigger and do you think it's achievable?
1: I, you know, once upon a time I would have said yes, but I, I actually don't necessarily think that growing bigger is is necessarily um you know worthwhile i think Mm -hmm, that when an organization grows bigger so does its capacity to do work but uh, but you do lose some of the um special ways of working that you have when you're a small group of people who are really well aligned and really understanding of each other so it's I think it's about making sure that we don't bite off more than we can chew but that we also really focus on those things that are important and that are priorities. I think that um, we also have to remember that there is a global community of really socially minded individuals um, who have been educated in Mercy or who work in Mercy and they are doing great work so yeah. we need to tap into them frequently and know that we're all different parts of the puzzle.
0: Yeah. Um, and just lastly, what sort of message do you have for the Mercy girls as they contemplate what they will do in their lives? <laughs> it takes me
1: back to when I was at school and I had no clue what I wanted. I, I wanted to do acting and then I wanted to do medicine and then I – Did law, and my mum says I tried all the faculties. So I am, I am not one to argue for you know having a really clear plan. But um, I think it's to trust your gut. Yeah. um, To, to you know, life is going to throw you lots of curveballs, but you know, take refuge where you can in your own values and in what you know to be true and important to you and try not to sway from that you know keep just remind yourself that you're worthwhile you you know you have a right to have a voice at the table um that there will be challenges but they're all part of the bigger picture and I and I think also um find find a community of people who you love and who love you genuinely for who you are and who will support you to do the work that you love And wherever possible ideally
0: that will be work that helps and aids other people that's a great message Jemima that's all we have time for today thank you to our guest Jemima Welch it's been great and a pleasure to talking to you today it's been a privilege thank you very much live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne Australia you have been listening to be like her on Academy Live my name is Emma and my co-hosts today were Grace, Olivia and Kayla Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have found that information today useful. Until next time, have a great day.